Welcome to the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs show, a safe place for women to heal and grow, where we discover our value, share our tears as we go through the hard times and rise up as we become empowered to meet our challenges head on. I am Sandy Johnston, the host of this podcast, and I'm a transformation coach, consultant, and energetic healer, helping women to heal, recover, rebuild, and become abundant in their lives. Before we dive into today's episode, I just want to mention a couple of features which are included in this podcast to help you get the best possible value out of it. Firstly, you can find links to help you connect with me and my guests in the episode notes. It's as easy as clicking on the link to help you get connected. And the other thing is that I record the top takeaways from each show to help you focus on some of the most helpful tips and information, which will help you hopefully with your challenges and help you on your healing journey too. You can find these tips at the end of the episode and in the episode notes. Okay, let's get into the show. Just a caution, if you feel unsafe at any time, please stop listening. You can come back anytime you are in a safe place to listen to the rest of the podcast. Your safety is the most important thing to consider. On today's show, I have a remarkable man, Bruce Sanchez, who is truly an overcomer, who is no stranger to the school of hard knocks. But rather than be hardened by this, he has a wonderful compassion and empathy for others. He is a black belt third Dan in Krav Maga. Is that the way you pronounce it? Correct. <laughs> Thank you. Which is the world's most aggressive, hardest and most effective self-defense and is also a center emergency response team member in prisons and is now one of the 900 worldwide certified high performance coaches by the High Performance Institute with Brendan Burchard, guiding executives, corporations, and entrepreneurs to improve their performance by going through the world's best high performance coaching program. If I hadn't already met Bruce prior to this interview, I might well have been intimidated by him with the combat experience that he has and you might well wonder why Bruce would be on this podcast. So without further ado let me now introduce Bruce Sanchez to find out why I have asked him on the podcast today. Hello Bruce. Hello good day how are you today Sandy? Very well thank you. Thank you so much for coming on to the show today. I really want this conversation to just flow naturally and I'm not quite sure what we will cover. Um, as you know, this podcast aims to be a safe space for victims and survivors of abuse in all its forms. Could we just start this conversation with you sharing your story to this point? Yeah, absolutely. This is uh, my pleasure and thank you so much for inviting me. I'm, I'm so flattered right now. <laughs> And then for those who don't know me, um, I'm, a, I'm born here in Australia, but I grew up in Spain. That's why the, 
you know, the reason of my lovely, sweet, and non-broken accent. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and yeah, like, like Sandy said, yeah, I went through a lot of uh, training in martial arts, in Krav Maga, and now became a, a member of the, of the CERT team in the prisons, and, and now one of the 900 certified high-performance coaches by Brenda Bouchard, which has been one of my, I would say, biggest achievements in life. And, but it wasn't like that all the time. And, but the reason I'm saying this, um, I'm so proud for what I had experienced in my life because at the end of the day, everything's an experience. Even if I didn't feel it like that at that time, I felt like a nightmare. But today I can say that it was like a blessing. It was like a gift, like having the, the, the opportunity to live that experience. And all, it all began in, 19, in 1977 when I born. No, I'm just kidding, not that far. <laughs> I, I was in Spain, little kid. Uh, well, my family, my dad and, and my mom, I mean, in terms of uh, wealthy, we, we were like kind of wealthy family. My dad lived in Australia back in the 70s in the golden age of Australia. I came from Spain, they spent here the, around 10 years that's where I born and then he they moved back to Spain they made a lot of money here in Australia and well and then my dad continued with uh, his uh, own construction company so if you saw me at that day uh, out of my you know family you will say oh my god these people have everything you know uh, my dad is good looking man so is my mom and we were like, you know, we lived in a huge house, swimming pool. Got, I mean, it looked like perfect, but it wasn't mm. at all. For me, it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare because uh, I grew up in a domestic violent environment. My dad used to beat my mom. I wouldn't say like every day, but for me, it doesn't matter how, how many how many times. Only one time, it's 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 absolutely terrifying, right? So it was happening. I don't know, but quite often for me, right? it was not a pattern. Like every two weeks, no, there's nothing like that. But because uh, it wasn't something like scheduled, let's say, because this is the way I'm trying to explain with my words. So the thing is every night, especially at nighttime, I remember with my little brother, we have three, three brothers in total, and having that conversation like, what's gonna happen tonight? Are we gonna have a peace night? Is it gonna be calm? Is it gonna be a fight? We didn't know. So we couldn't sleep until late night until my parents were sleeping so we can sleep uh, more calmly, if that makes sense. So that situation at that time, I, I can't remember, I was a little kid, uh, because this has been happening since we were really, very little. So maybe first, the first one I remember was maybe five, six years old. As far as I remember, probably my mom told me that was a whole life for her since they started the relationship, even when they came here to Australia. And but I wasn't born, so I didn't know, I mean, as far as I remember when I was five, six years old and it was happening now and then. And, and then, I mean, 
it, it was super confronting for all of us, especially for me, because my dad never raised a hand to us. No, never, never in his life. And he was actually amazing with us. And he was blaming her. And then my mom, she was, um, let's say, she was um, releasing all the anger, frustration all on us. So from our perspective, my mom was the evil and my dad was the poor man who, was, who had to deal with the evil at home. And that was the reason he had to do what he had to do. That was what we believed when we were little kids. Because not because my dad was all the time saying, no, your mom is this, your mom is that. My mother, on the other hand, was all the time, your dad is a, is, is a criminal, he's a bad this and that and that, a lot of names, you name it. And on the top of that, she was always uh, releasing all this the anger on us. I, I mean, my mom beat me like a thousand times. And he, she called me like a thousand names, son of a this. That, that, that word or that, that, that name in Spain, in English maybe that doesn't mean anything, like you're a son of a bitch, but in Spain is a huge thing. I mean, if you call someone that, you're going to have a trouble, mm. right? And then my mom was all the time calling, calling us names and, and frustrating me, beating us and all the stuff. And especially to me, <laughs> I'm going to say that because physically, I'm very alike to my dad. <laughs> and then she was telling me like, you are your dad, you are this, you are that. It, it, at that time, I didn't understand. I didn't get it. And I said, why is this happening to me? I mean, I couldn't understand. I was so mm. confused. Mm. You know, if that meant it's, a, it's such a confusion on myself. So, and then the years, the time came by and then the situation started much, much, much worse. And something that I haven't shared, the, for example, the, I was the other day on, on the group coaching sharing my story, but... I remember in 1995, that's when they finally decided to get divorced. Uh, my dad lost everything. We lost the house, we, lived, we lost everything. I was like a little, no little child, but I think I was around, what, uh, 16, 17, something like that. We have to move from having everything mm. materialistic mm to pretty much, not homeless, but nearly homeless. And then my dad got arrested. Wow. He got arrested and he spent time in, in prison. Wow. This uh, fact, not many people know that, but I feel comfortable with you to share yeah. this because it's going to make some sense at the end of this conversation. So for me, seeing my dad, regardless of what he did um, with, I mean, with the relationship with my mom, but he was always all the time providing that, you know, mm -hmm. with all the things that we needed. See him cuffed, escorting what police, getting to the van and going to prison. That was for me like, wow, this is the end of the world for me. Yeah. Because yeah. we lost everything. I mean, my mom was a housewife. And she didn't, you know, um, have any job and for many, many, many years. And we were, I mean, I was like 16, 17. My older brother had to take over. Mm. and start you know providing and that's when I started I mean at that time 1995 uh, I did some drugs and but now after that year I went through 
I was digging my own grave mm. Mm. and I started using drugs like like massively massively yeah. I got addicted to cocaine and and I started stealing money from house because we couldn't sell the house that we had mm. I mean really bad but we 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 couldn't sell it uh, because it was going to be, we, we were about to be evicted from that house. Mm. You mm. know? <laughs> I've been there. I know what that's like. Yeah. And then something happened. We couldn't sell it and then we get some, some, some money. And then at that time I was so addicted that I couldn't see further than that. And I started mm. like, because we have some kind of money, I start taking money from home doing drugs and getting worse and worse and worse because look my dad is in prison I, the first time when i saw him when i went to prison in alicante in spain i never forget that that feeling yeah never, i mean in prison to see my father my dad yeah and because like i said regardless of what he did he's i mean he's my father yes. <laughs> you know we cannot choose the <laughs> family right yeah. And I was so scared. I remember when my stomach was like a tight, 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 tight. Like it was like like this super yes. tense, super tense. And then see my father through the glass, and we couldn't have contact. That that, that was devastating for me. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that was devastating. And and from from that moment, from that moment on, my addictions went. I mean, you can imagine. Yes. Yeah, I am familiar with, um, you know, substance addiction and um, it's a slippery slope mm -hmm. um, and it's very understandable that people turn to different forms of escape to try and escape the pain that mm -hmm. is their reality and um, when, especially when it comes to a, a drug like cocaine, where cocaine actually will make you feel really powerful. Mm. And, you know, I, I understand that when you come down from that, you come back down, crashing down to the harsh reality of your life and all the pain and all the loss and all the just what do I do now where do I go from here and you know you didn't have a, a positive role model in your life no. you didn't have anybody a mentor to show you that there might be a different path for you to travel on and I just would love to hear from you because I, I have experience with um with addiction, with coming from, you know, the perspective of uh, my ex having a substance abuse problem. And from my perspective, you know, I wanted to help him and do everything that was in my power to try and help him to get clean and to take a different path so that he could have a life and you know find a way forward in his life and I exhausted that path I did everything in my power that I could do to help him and over time I you know had to come to the realization that 
he had to want to help himself. And he didn't get to that point. So um, and many people don't who have substance addiction issues. And I know just from my own perspective, I've had to, you know, let go of some very bad habits in my life that I turned to as in forms of escape as well. I was a smoker for years and, you know, and cigarettes to me were my form of meditation where I'd be able to draw breath and have that moment to myself and my escape and that was just, as you know, we're creatures of habit and habits become ingrained. And once they're ingrained, it's, you know, it takes great effort to rewrite those habits and create new habits. It is possible. And that's what I would love to hear about from you, because I think that you may have come to a tipping point where you or a crossroads where you had a couple of different ways that you could go and can you just share a bit about that please yeah absolutely um i remember in 2000 one of my best friends committed suicide all right we were in the same kind of addiction right together we got a very close close circle of three or four people and that was for me kind of a wake-up call so i tried to give up on my own so which i did for at least nine months which was an achievement for someone who's been addicted for a few years already you know it's like i couldn't like stop it for just uh, uh, nine months didn't know how but i just wanted to stop but the problem with the addictions is just that you might stop it but with the problem is not the addiction it's not the substance itself something that I, that I didn't get at the beginning when I, start, when I started my rehabilitation, the problem comes much, much deeper. That, that's, that's a consequence, let's say, it's, a, it's a, like a cause, no? You, you, you use the drugs to cover in something else, mm. right? And I remember in 2000, September 2000, my, one of my best friends committed suicide. And then I tried to stop doing and doing more uh, drugs, but I couldn't. And then the comeback, it's even worse. When you relapse, even, I mean, just a few months, I was nearly a year and then I relapsed. Mm -hmm. And that, that was even worse. Now I started, I think was another, another year, like going even further than before until in summer in 2000, I'm not sure 100% was 2001 or 2002, but one of those years. And it was coincidence, September, I remember was in Spain at, at the end of the summer. And I just hit rock bottom. I thought I was gonna die. I experienced, I was, I don't know if it was an overdose, but it was very close to an overdose that I couldn't manage because it's something that I always had in my mind. Like when I feel like it's out of my hand, everything, I start to have some fear and be scared. And then I somehow start to relax everything to control my, my system and then going down, down, down. And I go into the hospital. I consumed that night like a lot. 
on my own. I was consuming, but the last year on my own, alone with no one. That's that's what one of the phases or stages when you are very not very addicted. You don't want to be with people because you're dealing with your addictions on your own. So you don't want to see anyone to see you in that state. Even your friends that have been using with you or doing with you, you don't want to see them because because now it's it's very evident that the problem struggle is huge, right? And I thought I thought I was gonna die. I was gonna have a heart attack or something. Went to the hospital. I drove without license, <laughs> drive license. I drove because I was so scared yeah. that I didn't care. I didn't care. I went to the hospital and I told them straight, "I'm gonna die. I can swim this. I need help." Mm-hmm. That was courageous for myself because I was I was still high, but I didn't care. I said, "I don't care." This is me, and this is what I'm doing, and I'm, 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 I cannot handle anymore. So I need help. Went to the hospital. They take they did some assessments and tests. It was okay. They gave me something, and then two or three days after that, I went home. I told my mom. My dad wasn't with us at that time. Obviously, they were divorced. Uh, she knew that I, that I had some problems with drugs because I told her before, but she didn't know how much, how deep. Yeah. And I told her. I'm done. I need help. And this is what I'm going to do. Because I knew a program in Spain, Proyecto Hombre, which is Pro- Project of the Men. That's the name. Doesn't mean that it's only for men. It's, a, it's just the name. And I know that these people can help me. I'm going to do it because I want this. I want this shit out of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I told my brothers and then I called my dad and I told him, my dad, he never believed my mom. Because after the divorce, they still having kind of um, relationship, let's say, because I was, you know, um, trouble, <laughs> the troublemaker, let's say. And my dad n- never believed my mom, obviously. He, he thought he, she was like lying and, you know, making out some, you know. And I told my dad, no, that's true. I'm addicted. I'm a drug addicted. I've been using cocaine for the last few years and I need help. Otherwise, this is going to kill me because look for me it's like i didn't have a plan b now i mean there's no more plan b's in my life that's what i said yeah. this is it has to happen and so you to- you became authentic in that moment yeah. and you owned your life fully and you've owned the pain in your life mm. and acknowledged that you needed help and support to recover from what where you were at that time you know that's a huge you know huge step and I think that's the step that everybody you know needs to take at those times in life where you have been using escapes to as coping mechanisms for you know the pain that you are feeling and you're experiencing and you're trying to escape from once we own our own life then we can begin to recover until that time we're just faking it and masking everything and playing with fire so I'm really so pleased that you got to that stage and it did take great courage for you to put yourself in that vulnerable space. And I think that 
there's more and more conversations that people are having now about the strength that exists in vulnerability and you know the power that actually is there in those moments that we allow ourselves to become truly vulnerable Mm -hmm. and I just you know I love seeing the transformation that is possible when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable and yeah I don't want to get into like gender you know, it's more difficult for a guy than it is for a woman to get into that vulnerable space. I do think it's really difficult for everybody because we we have this sort of natural self-preservation, you know, mode that um, that is the thing that helps us to create those masks to try and protect ourselves from being hurt more than what we already have been. And, um, and that can often stop people from allowing themselves to be vulnerable. I mean, you, you know, who could you trust, Bruce, in, in your life, you know, with parents who were in conflict, you know, all the time and you had that anxiety of growing up in that atmosphere, that, you know, really toxic atmosphere and, your father was hating on your mother and your mother was hating on you, you know, how, how can you grow up and expect to go into to life as an adult without first recovering from the pain that you've been through in your childhood? And it's so understandable that you, you know, you did the things that you did and I'm so glad that you got to that place in your life where you just said, this is it. I, I want to live and I want my life back. And can you just tell us, you know, this is the part that I love because from this point on, I think there was real transformation in your life. Would you like to share a bit about that, please? Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's I always say that I have like a few transformations in my life, right? For me, the first one began at that, at that very moment when I went to the hospital. And like you say, I just opened my chest up and I said, look, this is what it is. I'm, I'm just down to leave them under a facade or something like something that's under a mask, a different mask. And that, that was uh, for me, it was, uh, it took me a lot of courage and I knew on the other hand that I was capable to do it. And so I trusted myself and I said, look, I'll try, I'm not going to say everything, but trying everything is it's BS, but I tried many times and nothing worked out. And I knew we all have the answer. We know that we don't. We don't might see it straight away, but we have. We have. We know what, what, what we need to do. We have all the answers within. And I knew that the very moment I uh, I step up and I and I you know open myself and say, look, this is it. I knew it. That it, everything is going to be way better. It can be wrong. You cannot go backwards. Once you open yourself and you say, look. This is myself. I'm struggling with this. I'm doing the. I knew it 100 percent that whatever comes next is going to be way better. Yeah, way better. And we know that. Yeah. And then we struggle. We go round circles like, 
I don't know, because it takes courage, yeah. right? But once you do it, you do it, oh my God. And, and then I, I started the, the therapy program in Spain and I went and for different circumstances, my mom wasn't allowed to come with me to go because it was a therapy group. We went a few times a week. My mom um, wasn't suitable for me because my mom at that time with her problems, she was drinking a lot of alcohol. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So she yeah. wasn't suitable partner or accountability partner with me. Yeah. My little, my younger brother came with me just a, a couple of months. She, he couldn't come with me. And then the rest of the whole process, which took 18 months, I did the whole thing on my own. Mm. Yeah, well done. I was the only one in that group and they, they were all the time saying, how can you make it? He said, it's, it's, not, it's not difficult. I mean, there is no other options for me. I don't have an alternative to this. This is the only way. Yeah. So I don't care if someone comes with me. If my mom cannot come, she's dealing with her own demons. My brother, you know, could, no one couldn't like support me in that way. They supported me in a different way, but knowing the way that I come with me and, you know, I said, I don't care. Mm. I don't care. One of the things that really changed everything one of the therapists challenged me and say, because I was blaming my, my mom and my dad for everything that happened to me. And I was, I was really, I was challenged on that. Yeah. And they say, Why you, what, what do you mean? Did they point you again on your head and say, do mm -hmm. drugs? Yeah. Did they? No. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you have another option? For example, not doing drugs? Yeah, but look, look what happened to me. Stop there. Yeah. It's your thing, own your thing. They said like, more like, it's your fault. I mean, but knowing in a bad way, it's like, own it. It's okay, it's okay. But stop blaming your family. Stop blaming your mom and your dad. Stop doing that and own it. Be responsible for what you're thinking, for what you're saying, for what you're doing. You have the last uh, decision. I mean, you are the, I mean, no one is forcing you to do that. And you know what's so great about that is that's where you get your power. Yeah. You get your power back as soon as, you know, like it's really easy to, to blame people for, you know, the pain and the trauma in our lives. But if we stay in that place of blaming them, we stay in a disempowered space. We stay victims and we don't give ourselves the power and the strength that we need to really face our challenges and overcome our challenges so it's that's like the key <laughs> if you've yeah. got you know if you're looking for a key to unlock that door to you know your freedom to what you want in your life that's it it's you you're the key you've got to just own it you've got to own the whole thing and there's no there's absolutely no point in blaming anybody for what is and when we blame and it's a really hard place because I know if I was if somebody was to say these things to me when I was in the thick of it in you know when things were just my life was just spinning out of control I would say to them, excuse me, 
you obviously don't know what is going on in my life to be saying that to me because at that time I just could not even grasp that I had any power left in my life I felt like I was a puppet on a string and somebody else was pulling all the strings all the time but I needed to make some really hard choices and do some really hard challenging things at different points along the way and if I hadn't done those things I might not be sitting here today having this conversation with you and I think the same would be true Mm. for you you know what do you think Bruce absolutely (laughs) oh my god like and then I remember because I never forget that conversation that was really good like what about them they told me, forget about them. Your parents, they did what they could with the resources they had. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. That's all. They go through their own hell or nightmare or whatever. But they're the, your parents after all. They could what they do. With the best of, the, with the best of resources they had at that moment. Full stop. Yeah full stop and start living yeah that was it wasn't a weekend it was like for me like oh my gosh what i've been doing what the hell i've been doing and that's when i started realizing the waste it's not a waste of time but all the crap that i've been through it's been manufactured on my own like i mean it was, you know, like the environment wasn't the, the 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 best environment, but when I understood that it was myself who was, you know, it's like like you said, now it's like uh, now is when I'm gonna get my power back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, we, when we stay in that place of um, self sabotaging ourselves. Mm-hmm then you know we're the ones who are keeping ourselves and holding ourselves back and you know like we we might be free of that situation you were an adult and you were free of that environment with your parents but you still chose to go on a self-sabotaging self-destructive path and you know at what for what what gain was there for you there wasn't but because of all the pain that you were carrying with you you just wanted to keep that escape and not deal with the pain and that's just so you know happens all the time with people and it's it's really understandable because this is a really interesting point about transformation is that transformation comes only through transition and transition is uncomfortable and transition can be painful Mm -hmm. and you know a lot of the time the reason why people can't get that transformation is because they don't want to go through the transition to get there which you know my heart is so full of empathy and compassion and you know and you know, I just, I understand, I completely understand, you know, I'm at a point in my life where it's taken me years, years <laughs> to come to these, these realizations and these understandings. And, but, you know, if, if I can 
save anybody from going through unnecessary pain which they could you know end a lot sooner in their life by allowing themselves and giving themselves permission and trusting in themselves as you said to be capable of going through that transition to get to that transformation this is why I am still having like this hard conversation with you and talking about the reality of what it takes to transform this is not easy for you in any way shape or form you went through 18 months of you know rehabilitation and to reform your life and to recreate your life and transform your life and not at any time was that easy for you no not at all but it's it was the journey itself at the beginning was really hard but I remember when I when I finished the program, you know, you have a kind of party, they recognize it. It was so beautiful. And I remember the first three, four months, I was like, like being in a prison counting days. Okay, one more day, one more day, one more day. When when I passed my ninth, nine months of being clean, mm-hmm. and I said, well, what comes next is completely new for me because yeah. it's never been more than nine months, you know? And then nine months became 10 months, then a year, then two and then three and then now I stopped counting I don't even remember when I started which is you know it's just it's great because it's like all right it's part of my life it's been something like that I've learned a lot but that's it I mean it's not something that I'm gonna keep reminding like 24 7 you've been this you've done this you know no no it's okay all good I mean no shame no that's all right all good it's a good experience uh if I have to go back again through the same probably we'll do some things more differently but <laughs> but but look the takeaways are priceless and yeah. and for some people for whatever reason for me pain has been a huge catalyst i mean i'm not going to say after i gave up um, um, drugs i never experienced pain but at least what I what I've learned is how to ma- how to manage that, and 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 sometimes I cannot avoid to go to that point of pain or burnt out. But when that happened, and sometimes when that when it has been happening, I mean, I'm talking like recently, I'm kind of happy too because I know when I'm going through kind of pain, I know something's gonna happen, and yeah. I I managed in a way or learned to. How to use that yeah. as a fuel yeah. in a good way. And then that's why I'm not so concerned when sometimes I feel like oh, I don't feel myself like, you know, 100%. And, and then when it's been happening a few more times, a few more days, and, and I feel like, oh, like kind of not burned up, but kind of exhausted. I'm not that worried. And I said, now I know something's going to happen. No, something's going to happen out of nothing. I know how we're going to react and or how not react, respond. And then something, something's going to boom, yeah. boost, boost again. And, and then, you know, sometimes for some people, for whatever reason, we need that sometimes. Sometimes I'm not going to say all the time, you know, I don't want to recommend people, you need to go through pain so you can, you know. <laughs> but if you do, if you do, use it. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a great lesson behind that. Yeah. Use it. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, I think struggling, uh, struggling is, is part of life. The, you know, you can't, 
live and not experience some pain in your life. And um, I think that the more aware we are, and I, you know, I love that point that you made about your own awareness now that when you have a struggle and you've got this pain, you know, point of pain happening in your life that you remind yourself that something good's going to come out of this. You're not quite sure at the time, but it's worth pushing through and, you know, just being there with that pain and knowing that something else is going to be there on the other side of that and that there'll be some benefit. And I, you know, I don't mean to sound um, sort of trite in saying this, but, you know, you'll hear a lot that life doesn't happen to us, that it happens for us. And it's that's a big concept to wrap your head around. In, but it's a good one to hold on to, I think, when you're in that place of pain and you're going, right, I think this is going to work for me in the end and just trust in, in that, that something good will come from it. So, um, look, you know, I just wanted to, you know, we've covered so much in this conversation and I feel like um, it would be great for us to have another conversation because we haven't even touched on <laughs> your experience sort of in the prison system, which, yeah. you know, this is like for victims and survivors, it's great to talk to somebody who is in the prison system and can actually see, you know, what life looks like for, you know, the perpetrators who are serving time in prison. Um, because, you know, coming from a victim slash survivor's perspective, um, you know, I had no insight into um what my ex's experience was like when he did two terms in jail and I didn't know um you know I was certainly not privy to um what he might be learning through that experience and so for me you know particularly in that first instance that he went into jail you know I was just um really worried about what he was going to come out of jail like and you know would he be full of revenge and you know wanting to seek revenge for me actually holding him accountable for you know some of the things that he had done and um yeah so I just I think we may leave that conversation for today because it is like a whole other conversation aside from this one that we've been having today which you know is just so valuable in terms of you you know being vulnerable in this space and sharing with us you know your journey through your childhood and through the struggles that came out of that but then also sharing with us you know the transformation and how that transformation came about because one of the things which I can see when I, you know, went through your your bio describing, you know, what you've learned and what you've done since that time where you transformed your life. It's just astonishing. But what it, it tells me is that there was a lot of determination, a lot of dedication 
that went into that, that you worked very, very hard and you were very disciplined and you've learnt, um, learnt discipline. And I just wanted to share with you that when, when I was about 30, I, had, I went and saw this very holistic doctor and she said to me, she said, discipline, uh, yeah, discipline equals freedom. And I just sort of walked away from that appointment, just scratching my head and mm-hmm. not understanding what she meant by that, because I was quite a rebellious person by nature when I was younger. And I was kind of like the black sheep of the family and never fit into this, you know, neat, tidy little box that people thought I should probably fit into. And so I was like, what on earth are you talking about? Like discipline just to me equals boring. (laughs) (laughs) But what I didn't understand is that when we are disciplined in our life, it creates this path of freedom for us where it actually frees us from being limited and held back by things because we're actually empowered when we're disciplined. So um, it's taken me a little while to get a hold of that one. (laughs) (laughs) But I think you have got a really good handle on that. And um, yeah, I just, I really commend you for um, for being prepared to put the, the work in to get the outcomes that you have in your life. Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, yeah, we, we just barely spoke uh, just at the, the beginning of that story because I, I, one of the things that I look at that time when I was addicted to, the, to I was super shy. I mean, very introverted because I was scared to express myself. Right. I knew that I, that I, I, I love talking to people. That's why one of the reasons that I started doing drugs, because I became more extrovert. Right. I was like, happy and uh, hanging all my friends uh, but that was me but you know multiply I don't know 10 times something something like that so I knew that I was capable to do it but I was using drugs like you know like that's mm. that's how I can be myself uh, but for example today's I mean if you know me if you met me at that time you probably will say you're not the same person <laughs> or oh, physically I have like a long hair and you know was like a rebellious too like a black sheep too in, the, in my family but for me having this opportunity to share this with you to interact with people and then the work that I've been doing in the prison has been a gift uh, just a little just just a little thing what's what many one thing that impacted me a lot in the prison because uh, uh because we have cash management we had to you know follow the prisoners and recommending some courses and you know we have to be interacting with them every time yeah. and i remember one of the prisoners he had a like a like a visit a contact visit with the family and then i go with him and then i went i i, I, I remained in the visit center and i saw the family with the kids visiting him and I, connected with my with my experience and, yeah and i see the family like you know crying and the prisoner the prisoner who was like kind of us let's say in the in, in the unit 
he was crying like a baby too. And then when he left the, the visitor center, I spoke with him. I normally don't do that because you, I, cannot, I don't have to share this. Actually, the prison, they don't know that. But I shared my own experience with him and I told him, I totally get it. My dad, mm. I went to see my dad. And then that prisoner looked, I mean, looked at me and said, really? Yeah, yeah. And since from that day, that prisoner towards myself, he completely changed. I mean, yeah. he, was, he was one of the bad boys in the unit, right? Yeah. Because I saw him and I shared that thing with him. Yeah. He be, his behavior changes a bit, at least, in the unit. Yeah. And towards myself, completely different. Yeah. Because I, I allow him to be himself and uh, I didn't judge anything because I'm not here to judge anyone. You've been judged already, so it's not my job to judge you. I understand. I'm not condoning, but I understand. Mm. Mm. Yeah, this is what I mean by, you know, you're a person of great compassion. Um, and I think that um, the prison system is very fortunate to have you in it. So I hope that, um, you know, that experience that you had with that particular person um, has helped that person on their journey. Yeah, I, I, I've seen him like growing a bit. Um, he has his own struggles, obviously. Yeah. But I think that experience, that conversation that we had together, just him and I, no one else, I think that made some kind of positive uh, impact. Yeah. Impact in yeah. yeah absolutely absolutely those types of experience will you know that would have spoken straight into his life mm. having that experience with you and having that little conversation that you had so yeah I, I really wish that there were more conversations like that going on in the prison system mm. it's hard it's not easy because you had to be careful what you share with your life. Yeah. You can do it, but because it's still, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's some. Yeah, I understand. You need yeah. to be able to maintain authority. Yeah, and yeah. and your privacy too. And yes, and absolutely. Privacy. Yeah, absolutely. Because it can be used against you, you know. Yeah. And, and yeah. But because I know I knew that person, and it was on my caseload. I was his case uh, officer, so I, I mm. had kind of a rapport. And then when I when I have that kind of a kind of a let's say relationship this kind of a kind of, kind of chemistry that I, that I don't mm. mind to share this with him because at the end of the day he's a human being like me so this yeah so I don't mind yeah yeah and that yeah I, I like that that um, not only did he see well he saw you as being a person instead of just yeah. a prison officer so exactly yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah, very good. All right. Now, just before we go, is I just wanted to ask you if you would like to share any of your links for listeners if they would like to get in contact with you. Well, you can find me on Facebook, but under my name, Bruce Sanchez. Sanchez is the most common Spanish surname, so it's easy <laughs> to find me. I'm not as much on Facebook as on LinkedIn, but if you go on LinkedIn, you can find me too. I'm building my own website, which is, I have the domain, which is brucesanchez.coach, but it's not finished yet. 
and but yeah mainly linkedin and, and facebook so far you can find me and then i mean i post not regularly on linkedin on facebook on facebook i post a bit less but yeah some videos and you can find me and we can you know if you want to reach out more than happy to have a chat no not even i'm talking about work i just you want to have a chat let's have a chat why not yeah beautiful yeah, yeah, yeah. fantastic yeah. i will include those links in the episode notes so yep. listeners um you are welcome to visit the episode notes to uh find those links and easily uh just tap into um connecting with bruce um for the final question because this podcast is the tiara's tears and triumphs podcast what does this title mean to you bruce tears say again because tiaras I... so tiaras as in a crown that you put on your head okay and tears that yeah, we cry yeah, yeah. Triumph. and triumphs <laughs> <laughs> well with a kind of crown i don't know exactly with the tears uh what means for me that tears because this, I think the, the the sequence makes a lot of sense when you go on. I don't I don't know what to say about the other one. <laughs> Sorry about that, but when 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 tears are coming, um, like like I said before, with the pain, um, yeah, don't be worried because something huge is is about to you know to come. But you have to do the work. It doesn't mean that you have to wait. Just sit down, wait, then close your arms, and let's see what's going to happen. Not at all. But if you can, if you keep pushing, you will find a way to not just to get out to learn a lesson, and then maybe that lesson is a triumph. Yeah. And um, just there's nothing uh, for me. There's there's nothing better than that. Like being happy and proud of yourself uh, for. For not for achieving, for being peace with yourself. Yeah, that's for me. It's because if you're not, if you're not in peace, or you're not like you, you don't love yourself, it's really, really hard. Yeah. To, let's say, achieve, to make, or whatever you name it, it's going to be really, really hard. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you about that, um, and that's I think you know the thing that I craved the most when it was just constant drama mm. in my life was I just craved inner peace yeah. I just I craved serenity I craved peace I have that in my life now yeah. and it's priceless yeah it is it, is. it yeah. doesn't matter how much money you have because money comes and goes but yeah. yourself your your energy your peers yeah that's there's something that money can buy yeah absolutely absolutely it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast today bruce thank you so much and i do hope to have you back on again absolutely you're gonna have me back <laughs> <laughs> hooray <laughs> thank you so much for inviting me it's been a huge pleasure um, unfortunately, this is not a video, so you cannot read subtitles. No, I mean, <laughs> no I'm just kidding. Uh, we don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, looking forward for another session with you and your audience. Yeah, absolutely. 
Great. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Bruce Sanchez today. Um, just before we go, I just want to leave you with some tips and takeaways from today's episode. So everything in life is an experience with something of value to take away from it. Okay, number two, when it comes to addictions, the problem is not the addiction itself. The problem is much, much deeper. Number three, it takes great courage to be authentic about your life when your life is unmanageable. Number four, there is great power in being vulnerable and in asking for help and support. Number five, we may not see it at the time, but we have all the answers we need within. Number six, we become empowered when we are responsible for what we think, what we do and what we say. Number seven, transformation comes through transition and transition can be hard. But if you want to transform, you need to be prepared to put in the work to go through the transition to get the transformation. Number eight, trust that you have what it takes to go through that transition to get the transformation you want. Number nine, sometimes pain can be a catalyst to transformation. And when you are prepared to work through it, there can be a great lesson to be gained from it. Number 10, we become empowered when we become disciplined in doing what is most effective to help us move through a transitional phase in our life to the transformation we are seeking. That's it for today. Stay well, stay safe. Sending you lots of love and light, Sandy. We all go through dark times. When we do, we often feel alone. This is a safe space for you to come and look for some light. I'm a survivor of an abusive relationship and for a long time I had no voice because I was too scared to speak up and speak out about what was happening to me. I couldn't see a light at the end of the tunnel, but when I turned a corner in my life, the light started filtering through and I left my old life behind. I am here now to help other women feel seen, heard and valued. I'm reaching out with my light shining on you to help you find your way out of the darkness. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. A note of encouragement. If you are struggling with your mental health, please reach out for support with some form of counselling. If you don't know where to start to find a counsellor, a good place to start is to talk with your doctor. There are also many online counselling supports available. And a word of advice, if the counsellor is not a good fit for you, try another 
and if you need to try another until you have one that is the right fit for you. Tune in again for the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast, helping women who have been hurt to heal and grow, hosted by me, Sandy J. This program provides a safe place to work on inner peace and a strong mindset, spells out how to spot the red flags, advises on ways to stay safe and work on effective safety planning, gives tips on how to look after you when things are tough, teaches empowerment strategies, acknowledges life's challenges and explores ways to meet these challenges head on to go from surviving to rising to striving and finally to thriving. The show includes interviews with other survivors who have come out the other side, who share their stories and insights, as well as interviews with therapists and people working in support roles. I am a survivor and I use my experience and skills to help other women like me. Please listen and be uplifted to rise in this safe space where dignity, kindness and compassion are treasured. And don't forget, if you need some support, I am here for you. I don't want any woman to suffer alone in silence. I don't want any woman to feel oppressed and feel that there is no way out. I want you to know that you can turn a corner. I am a life change facilitator. I help women regain control over their lives. You can find me at sandyj.com.au. Hey now, can you just pause a moment before you go? Because I need you to share your light and leave a review. Can you just take a quick minute to leave a review in iTunes to let other women know this is a show they can trust? It would mean the world to me if you could help shine a light for someone who can't see the light at the end of their tunnel. I need you to do this for someone else who needs some support and encouragement. If you like this show, please subscribe and you will automatically be updated with future episodes when they are released. And please share this podcast with anyone you know who it might help. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Sending you lots of love and light and above all else, wishing you well. You are brilliant. Keep shining. Stay safe. Sandy.